Welcome to Farmers Trainers Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our podcast is part of the concealedcarry.com network brought to you by XS Sites, the fastest sites in any light. Today's topic is another topic that many gun owners and instructors probably think about. That is getting an FFL. We bring this podcast to support an industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com and learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by NA Tactical. As instructors, our students are always asking us what gear we use. I always tell them I use NA Tactical. Do you know that NA Tactical offers several designs, each with extreme comfort for all-day carry? The Revenant and Professional holsters have a patented tuckable design, adjustable cant, and secure twist release. My personal favorite is the KO1. It is an all-kydex appendix holster that I can carry all day in comfort. All of NA's holsters come with a two-week try guarantee and a lifetime warranty even on the clip. Remember to check out their Flex Mag Carrier also. It has a three-layer comfort backer and will accommodate several sizes of the magazines. Shop at natactical.com to find your next holster. That's the letter N, the number eight, tactical.com. Today, we are joined by Ryan Kleckner from Rocket FFL. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me here. It's a real pleasure. Uh, before we start diving into our questions today, talking about um, instructor getting an FFL, can you give our listeners a little bit of your about yourself and your background? Sure. The reason I took a big breath is I do too many things. One, I, I do too many things for me to keep track of and keep my sanity about, and I do too many things when it comes to trying to explain what I do. So I guess it depends on where I'm at when someone asks what I do. You know, if you're at that cocktail party meeting a spouse's friends, what do you do? I say, oh, I'm an attorney because it just ends there. If I'm with a bunch of entrepreneurs and they're talking about how to do things, I'll maybe talk about being an online entrepreneur. My software company is I'll write books, but I do mostly firearms industry stuff. So grew up in Arizona, left for the military, grew up hunting, shooting, things like that, but left for the military, uh, was a sniper in first ranger battalion, deployed a couple times to Afghanistan, left while the party was still fun, was a, a sniper instructor for years after that where I actually learned way more about being a sniper than I did in the military and even the cool, amazing schools I got to go to. Uh, th those schools, in my opinion, were, were, were neat, but they almost prided themselves more on how many people they failed out than they did on their ability to teach. You know, they would brag about their attrition rate, not brag about how well they turned somebody who knew nothing into somebody who knew something. So I learned a lot more about teaching and a lot more about being a sniper after that. And was getting bored, finished up my undergraduate education and decided I wanted my next challenge. So I went to law school. In law school, I started working for the National Shooting Sports Foundation because I was there in Connecticut and I became their federal government relations manager, which sounds boring, but it really wasn't. It was a lot of fun dealing politics on the national level for firearms. I left there, went to Remington, ended up uh, becoming a vice president of Remington Outdoor Company and traveled way too much, but worked with a bunch of amazing people. And a little too much stress. Left that and decided um, I did some videos with the NSSF. I did some instruction there. And I was sitting there thinking long and hard about what I wanted to do next in life. And I realized I couldn't scale myself. I always wanted to write a book before I died. So I wrote the Long Range Shooting Handbook. And every publisher I reached out to turned me down, which I'm glad they did now. 
So I published it on my own. I would never go back any other way. Mm -hmm. And that book has been, um, people have been way more kind to that book than, than it deserves. I think, um, it's been five years now and it's still the number one best-selling shooting book on Amazon. Um, so it's had a really good run. And after that, I realized, you know, I don't need to be a lawyer full-time. I don't need to do these things full-time. I can, you know, make this mailbox money, you know, meaning I can go do whatever I want during the day and then check at the end of the day how much I made. So I started building other companies. And one of the things I used to scale myself was I built Rocket FFL because I, I helped a lot of people in trouble with the ATF. And one of the first things people need to do when they get in trouble with the ATF is sometimes start fresh with a new license. And I'd give this multi-hour you know, speech explaining every nuance of how to get an FFL the right way and set things up so they didn't find certain pitfalls and stay out of trouble with the ATF. And I realized, you know, why don't I just hit the record button on this one and sell the videos for a heck of a lot cheaper than someone's going to pay me to be their attorney. And that's how Rocket FFL was born. And I haven't looked back. I, I, I own and run gununiversity.com. I, I, I publish and write more books. I produce more video content for various companies. And if it's shooting or hunting, I can't believe I get to call it a job. I just go kind of go do whatever I need to do. It's fun. Well, that sounds really cool. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of instructors out there that are envious of the uh, path that you've taken for that. Um, because one of the things, you know, want to talk about today is, you know, if I'm an instructor, what would be some of the advantages, you know, in your mind to, uh, you know, having an FFL versus going along and like, you know, sending all the, all my students down the street to, uh, you know, to somebody else. Um, I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's one yeah. advantage right there. I was going to say, that's exactly one advantage <laughs> right there. Well, so having an FFL is not for everyone. Um, it'd be really easy to be the guy that sells the course on how to get an FFL to tell you that everybody should get an FFL. And it's just, that's not true. Um, I think an FFL is beneficial, uh, not only for business, but just because it's really kind of fun. I mean, I'm a, I'm a manufacturer FFL and whenever I want to convert a gun to a machine gun, I do it. I don't even, you don't have to wait for approval. <laughs> so machine guns are a waste of ammo, but they're still kind of fun to shoot. You know, I had a SIG MCX Rattler, which was something like a four inch barrel and two, two, three, which was just a fire breathing dragon. And <laughs> yeah, I think you'd hurt someone more if you took the bullet out and shot it with a slingshot, you know, at that short of a barrel mm -hmm. and it's been sitting in my safe for years. And I thought, you know, that'd be a really fun machine gun. So I made it into a machine gun. Those are the things you can do with an FFL. But now for business. Well, when people are traveling, just the shipping and traveling alone makes a lot of sense for some people is instead of having people deal with airports or deal with uh, checking their bags and getting bags lost or uh, people getting redirected to a city where the gun isn't allowed and now they get into legal trouble and things like that. Sometimes it's a lot easier just to have students ship the gun straight to you. And although you can do that without an FFL, it's much, much easier with one. So I, I see people that set up their FFLs underneath the name of the training company. And when a student's ready to come out, they just get their Pelican case and slap the UPS label on it. And it shows up and it's waiting for them there when they get to the course. And same thing when they go to go home, it's nice to be able to say, Hey, students, don't worry about it. We'll take this. We'll ship it back for you. And if you do any sort of gunsmithing or you do any sort of, um, you know, putting optics on a, on a firearm or doing anything for your students. Now, not only are you licensed to do it because you need a license to be a gunsmith, but it's not a problem to be able to hold on to a firearm for them. And I can't imagine how many times you might need to rent a firearm or even better sell a firearm to a student. Like you said, you're not sending them down the street to go pick up a gun. You can take care of it for them right there. And, you know, you can only charge so much for what you teach. 
mm-hmm. after that, you need to follow on sale. And it's a, re- it's a real big no-brainer follow on sale just to be able to get guns for people. And the relationships you guys make with your students, you don't even have to be local. I have people that bother me from out of state. Hey, Clackner, can you get me an XYZ? I'll look at my distributors list. Sure, I'll get it for you. I'll bring it in and then I'll ship it to their FFL in their state. And they're just still happy because they got a screaming <laughs> deal on it. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds, sounds great. I hadn't really thought about the uh, shipping aspect of it from an instructor standpoint. Um, but that's, that's definitely one of those that I've had a few instruct a few candidates, students mm-hmm. have come through that have, you know, had some challenges of, you know, ammunition and guns, shipping them around. And it's it always like, happens. That, yeah. Or even would. use the instructor yourself. Uh, it's so nice for me to be able to whip out an FFL whenever I'm dealing with something, mm-hmm. you know, or another good benefit of it. I'm in another state teaching something and I walk into a gun shop because I don't know about you. I love going and checking out gun shops, especially in small towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find something I like. I just buy it right there. I don't mm-hmm. need to do the 4473. I don't need to do whatever the state's requirements are. They can just transfer it straight to my FFL right there in person. So that's can you take possession of it right away then? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm just the cool. FFL. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like doing a pickup, but you've gone through their inventory, figure out well, what you're going to pick up then. It's tough. So be careful. <laughs> so you, you guys are getting the legal advice you're paying for, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason you can pick it up and take possession and the way I use it is if you're careful is you're just the shipping agent. You're just an employee of the FFL that's in possession of the gun. You're allowed to do that. Yeah, for sure. So like SHOT Show. People have guns at SHOT Show, but it's not their licensed location. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. But but here's one of the things that quite frankly has probably kept me from doing it because I uh, I got quite a few students come back and forth. How difficult is it because you know I've heard horror stories about people, you know, getting your shorts and really, you know, giving you that colonoscopy over to see what your background is and different things like that. Yeah. How hard is it? You know, how squeaky clean do you have mm. to be in order to um, you know, qualify for an FFL? Well, if we're talking squeaky clean, you need to be clean. I mean, you're not going to get an FFL if you have problems relating to firearms possession. Mm-hmm. But if there's one thing that I have as a brand, either in how I teach shooting or how I write or how I try to present materials, is I try to do the opposite of what I think some instructors do, which is some instructors say, this is so tough. Only I could do it. Look how awesome I am. You know, this is amazing. And only a few of us could do this. No, I do the opposite. I say, this is easy. We all can do this. Let me show you how. That's how I approach long range shooting. And that's how I approach rocket FFL is I I don't even start off on how to apply till chapter four. The first three chapters are just background information on, Hey, here's what the ATF is. And if you ever heard the term ITAR, this is what it means. And do you know the difference between a law and a regulation? Well, let me explain it to you. And I get you all that background information first so that by the time it comes to choosing what type of FFL you're going to get, you actually know what you're doing. You know, getting an FFL is straightforward. It's pretty darn easy. It's just, you have to make quite a few decisions and I don't think you're going to be able to intelligently make those decisions unless you really know what the background information is. So what type of FFL is best for you? Maybe it's a dealer's license. Maybe it's a manufacturer's license. I happen to like having a manufacturer's license for the reasons I talked about before, but there's pros and cons to it. The process is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's an application and you don't need rocket FFL. I mean, how many you know, hundreds or thousands of FFLs have been uh, applied for and obtained without Rocket FFL. Uh, first, every single one before Rocket FFL exists. Yep, exactly. That's what I was yeah, thinking. So, yeah, so you don't need us at all. It, it, you could absolutely do this on your own. And if that's not the worst sales pitch, I don't know what is. Um, I, I just like to think that we're here to help take some of the mystery out of the process along the way. 
and help make sure that you get it done quickly. So there's not any hangups or any problems and that you stay out of trouble later, but it's an application. It's fingerprints, it's photos, it's a check, making sure which one goes in the mail. You, you can follow these instructions online. The problem is every one of us has read an article, watched a video or something about a topic we love, whether it's guns or not, and lost our minds at how inaccurate the information was in the video, especially mm -hmm. on a forum. For example, you go into a forum, I can't even go into forums at all. I just see conversations on there making me want to pull my hair out because of the stupidity or the incorrect information that I see on there. But yet, for some reason, when people want to get an FFL, they all of a sudden want to trust these forums. And they say, well, I heard on a forum that XYZ, I'm like, guys, this is the same forum that you just argued with topic a five minutes ago now all of a sudden you're going to believe them about ffls no like like you can't have a home-based ffl guys there are more home-based ffls in the country right now than retail ffls so it's not just can you do it the majority of ffls in this country are home-based ffls or kitchen table ffls just guys like you and me that have the ffl at their house because they want to sell some guns online or they want to do some stippling in their garage or they're an instructor and they want to be able to receive firearms in their garage and be able to box up and ship them out and take care of things like that. So it's really not that bad. The, the hardest part for everyone is zoning. So if you're going to have it at your home, it's a business and take the FFL part of it completely out of the picture. Just deal with the business first. If you're not allowed to have a business at your home, you're going to have a hard time getting an FFL. And it's not because it's an FFL. It's because we're talking about a business here. So if you live in HOA that says absolutely no home-based businesses, well, FFL might not be in the cards for you, not because of the city or the state or the federal government, the ATF or anyone. It may just be because the local HOA board decided you don't get to have a business at home mm -hmm. or someone at the zoning office sees your application come through for a manufacturing FFL which I've gotten over this many times. I, I have done this so much. I have a, a letter I use to appease zoning commissions that explains manufacturing doesn't mean what you think it means. It's not drill presses and you know machinery to the ATF. If you, as an FFL, assemble an upper and a lower of an AR-15 together, you have now manufactured a rifle. So I try and use that as an example to the zoning departments to say, you see the word manufacturing and you think machinery. Big, and, big machinery. Yeah. And, and I'm in a neighborhood and I'm trying to tell you that's not what it is. Or maybe I'm just using a marking variance. You know, I have AR 15s made with my logo on them and every, all the markings on them, like looks like I made them, but I didn't. Those things are showing up in, you know, clear plastic bubble wrap from the manufacturer. I just have to have a manufacturing license to get my name put on them somewhere else. So you explain that to zoning, you make sure you're in an okay area and everything's fine. But invariably, that's the biggest hang up is zoning. Uh, yeah, it could be. Zoning is one of those things that uh, we love it when we like when we like what the zoning board does, and we hate it when it doesn't. How long is the process to do that? Two to, months. To really? Yep. So you apply for an FFL, you'll have it in two months. So the ATF has actually run a little long lately because, of course, it's the government, but they're actually not allowed to. They they actually have to give you a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down within eight weeks. And it's one of those things. If it takes nine weeks, don't pick a fight. There's no reason to pick a fight over it. You know, you want your FFL. Well, yeah, it's a two-month process. You send it in. You send uh, your paperwork in. Within a couple of weeks, you'll have your check cashed. Within six weeks, the local IOI, the Industry Operations Investigator, they're not an agent. They're not law enforcement at all. 
Uh, people call them ATF agents all the time. These are the people that you will be dealing with 99.99% of the time. The only reason you'll ever deal with an ATF agent is if there's an actual crime going on, but your inspections, your license issuing, everything are just IOIs. They'll contact you in about six weeks and set up a time to come meet with you. They'll meet with you and talk it over and say, hey, you really understand what all the rules are? Any questions you have? Would you like some copies of 4473s? Here's a poster for you. You're going to have the business here. Okay, that makes sense. They'll just make sure everything looks legitimate. And then they'll go back and give the thumbs up. And a couple of days later, your FFL comes in the mail. So you want to get a, a silencer. And I do and have you, one locked up right now. So I'm well, trying you, to think. How, how I, I may, I might, might, well, at, it's been six months already. And we're hoping it'll be like another three months. Yeah. I'll have it. So yeah, total you, nine you, months. You, you would have had it three months ago if you wanted to become an FFL. So yeah, you become an FFL in two months, and then you immediately apply to become an SOT, a special occupational taxpayer. And so an FFL is something you have, an SOT is something you become. And once you become that special occupational taxpayer, and you pay your 500 bucks every year, then you can get as many NFA items as you want tax-free after you pay that $500 once a year. So not only does it make sense after your third NFA item, because you paid 500 instead of 600 for those three mm-hmm. NFA items. But it's also way faster. Yeah, you would have had your SOT within a couple of weeks, a month at the longest. So three months in, you'd be a full-fledged FFL SOT. You would just call up whoever it was and say, hey, I want that silencer. They say, great. They'll file a Form 3 with the ATF. Maybe 24, 48 hours later, the Form 3 comes back approved. You've got your silencer shipped straight to your front door. You don't have to go to the gun shop. And then you get addicted and you order five or six more. And now you get every other silencer you order, you're getting within that same work week because you don't have to start that whole process over again. And you realize how easy it is. Yeah, you would you would have um, full auto machine guns, silencer, short barrel rifles, whatever you wanted in spades by now, Rob, because this last three months would have been an NFA spending spree for you. And it's still the same 500 bucks for the year. Maybe I'm going to have to look into that a lot more seriously. Now it's also a burden. So when I said it's not for everybody, Mm -hmm. let me do the opposite here. If you can't take care of paperwork, if you're someone that you need to know your limitations, if you're someone that just thinks you're going to file a form and six weeks go by and you find that form still sitting on your desk, maybe an FFL is not for you. (laughs) You know, it's not worth getting in trouble. It's not worth risking your license. It's not worth any of that. If you're going to have a hard time with it. Now the records and the keeping up to speed with everything isn't that bad. There's a lot to know, but we have courses and all that that walks you through every single step of the process. But you just got to stay on top of it. So if you're someone that can stay on top of things, or you have an employee, or a spouse, or somebody who can help you stay on top of things, great, get an FFL. But if, if you're going to just, I'll get to it someday, don't do it. You, it's going to be cool to get some silencers, but it's going to be real embarrassing. You know, a year from now, and the ATF shows up and says, yeah, we're going to take all these. Mm -hmm. Because you don't, you don't know how to do what you need to do, which in most cases is simply just saying this gun came in just that alone is, is what the most requirement is. And if you can't do that or stay on top of things, don't, don't do it. Or if you don't have a business purpose at all, you you can use it for personal benefit, but it needs to have a business intent and there's no standard for that. It, I, I call it a straight face standard. You need to be able to look at the ATF in the eye and keep a straight face when you say it. So if you say, I intended to sell a couple guns a year on Gunbroker, that's a business intent. Mm-hmm. Because you ordered 10 silencers for yourself doesn't mean you don't have a business intent. 
you know, or you want to do transfers for your buddies. Maybe you get all your buddies. By the way, you have no idea how popular you get among your circle of firearms friends once you get your FFL, mm-hmm. right? Because now you could, if you want to, you can get all your buddies distributor pricing on everything. And I like I, I love using uh, ellipses. They have two day shipping, so it's like Amazon Prime but for guns. <laughs> so I go on the website and I go click click. They keep my account on file. Two days later, a gun's on my front doorstep. And I call you up. Hey, Rob, your gun's here. You come on over. We can fill out the paperwork right on the, the kitchen table. And if I want, I can charge you 20 bucks for the process. So you got a gun, you know, $200 less than you could have gotten in the gun store. I made 20 bucks just to keep a friendship going and to keep some, to show the ATF that a business is going there and everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine too, that if you can go to ellipses and Davidson's and, and some of those distributors that you could potentially get, get first in line when it comes to some of their special releases or manufacturers and different things like that too, which would be kind of cool. You can, it, you can, it's hard because you're going to be a small guy, right? If you're just considering, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking, you know, an FFL might not be such a bad idea. That means you're going to be last in line, unfortunately, because that means you don't have the true desire to make, you know, a huge retail operation. I'm talking, you know, mega business out of it. And unfortunately the small guys just be completely honest. You, you, you'll look and see things out of stock because all the big retailers, all the big stores get things first, but I still have much, much, much more access to guns than anyone else that doesn't have an FFL. And like I said, two days later, it's going to show up at my doorstep for, much less than they're finding at the store. You know, so if you ever hear a buddy talking about going down to Academy or going to Cabela's or something, trying to find a gun, I, I pull up my phone all the time. No, you mean that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, how much is it at Cabela's? It's 1200 bucks. Wow. It's $800 with free shipping for me and it's in stock. So it's, it's, it's nice to have if you keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. The paperwork's one of those things where, uh, I've, I've heard horror stories about, you know, FFL coming in, finding out the paperwork doesn't, you know, look right or something else like that. In most cases, if it's that bad, they'll just take your FFL, Mm -hmm. which you probably don't deserve to have one. If you can't, if you agree to, I'm not saying we should have this. I'm not saying the second amendment should be restricted like this. I'm not saying the ATF should exist. I'm not saying those rules should exist. All I'm saying is when you applied for an FFL, you were a big boy or girl and you signed on the line that said, I promise to follow all these rules. That was your choice to do that. So if you can't follow the rules you promised to follow, okay, well then they'll take the FFL. I think it's the same as, you know, uh, you get DUIs, you are excessive speed all the time. You drive the wrong way down the street in your car. You're going to lose your driver's license. Mm -hmm. So if you don't follow the rules, that's what's going to happen. Yep. Exactly. Let me, let me ask you this because, um, I'm not sure what, how it all, all works and such. But if for some reason, one of the guns that I sell, you know, gets mm-hmm. used in a crime and gets traced back, what position does that put me in? If I'm the one, if I'm the FFL, it transferred to that to that, you know, same one of my friends, I sold him the gun and mm-hmm. the gun got stolen and it gets traced mm-hmm. back to, is, is there anything, you know, that puts me in uh, at liability for selling a gun that gets used in a crime or anything else like that? Maybe in this hypothetical, did you do everything by the book? Mm-hmm. Than nothing. Every, you know, everything passed. I called it in properly. Next check. If you, you know, decided not to do the next check because he was your buddy and it got used in a crime, yeah, you're in trouble. If you decided, you know, I know the law says I have to conduct this transfer at the licensed premises or at a qualifying event like at a gun show, but I'm just going to drive over to his house and we'll do it over there anyway. 
you're breaking the rules that way. Or, you know what? I'm going to let him take the gun now. And two months later, you said, you know, buddy, we never did that paperwork. You got to bring that gun by so you can do the paperwork. And you finally did the paperwork. You start doing cutesy stuff like that, and it's going to bite you. But if you do it by the book, like you would at any gun shop, hey, come on in. Here's your 4473. Fill it out. Do the background check. Approved. You file it. Here's your gun. Uh, You're protected. Now, you're never anywhere in life immune from someone suing you for something. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's how it is. That's the same right now as if you had a gun. I'm sure you've sold a gun to somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. I I think you're way more at risk doing that than you are if you have an FFL. At least you have an FFL. You're licensed by the federal government to do it. You did a background check. You have paperwork on the deal. You know, hopefully you have some business insurance for your business. You know, which is a you know de minimis cost. So you're you're way better doing it as an FFL than you are. I sold that gun to that guy at that gun show six years ago, and I think he had a beard. <laughs> you have no idea who that person is. <laughs> it's a lot better this way. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. That's uh... and now you tell your spouse it's a business. Yes, I bought a gun. It's called inventory, hun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had to buy the, I had to buy those machines so I can go along and convert them over to, you know, SBRs and SBS and, and, you know, machine guns. So yeah, that's honey, a fun way know. to do it. Like you have an air 15 with a pistol brace on it, let's say, and you decide someday, you know, it's kind of stupid. Why don't I just put a stock on there? Well, if you're an FFL, that's a manufacturer. You can, you engrave your name on there. You could even take one of those electric pencils and engrave your name in the worst kindergarten handwriting ever. If you really want to do just to be funny. And that counts. <laughs> Put the stock on and tell the ATF later. You don't need approval beforehand. The next day, just by the end of the next day, you need to send the ATF a note that says, hey, heads up, an SBR exists. Thanks. If you think that's for you, then do it. Cool. And how much does the FFL cost? Depends on the type of FFL you get. Just so basic the, entry level type of the thing. The most common type of FFL is a type one, which is your dealer gunsmith FFL. And that's $200 for three years. And then every three-year period after that, it's only $90, so 30 bucks a year. Now, the manufacturer's FFL is actually cheaper for the first three years. It's only 150 which doesn't make sense because the manufacturer can do everything the dealer can. I can sell guns just like a dealer. Matter of fact, the local gun shop that you go to might be a manufacturer's FFL. You may not even know it. <laughs> so you can be a dealer and you can make guns, and it's actually only 150 for the first three years which doesn't seem like it makes sense, but every three-year period after that stays the 150 flat rate. And so the prices change in there. So that, that's, that's the, those are the two most common by far. And then to become an SOT, if you want to deal with NFA items, that's $500 a year. And then you put all those costs together. I break it down on a, a blog post on rocketffl.com where I say the cost of an FFL. I, I put the $200 for three years worth of an FFL. Here's the SOT. The Rocket FFL course is $49 two postage stamps, two envelopes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the cost to get your photographs printed at Walgreens. And I put the breakdown there. So when it's all said and done, um, I hope people see a lot of value in a $49 course when I am absolutely obscene in what I charge per hour as an attorney. And it would take 10 hours to walk through everything. So yeah, if you don't see value in it because you look at it and say, I can do it on my own. And you try to argue that point with me, all I'm going to say is, you're right. You can absolutely do it on your own. You don't need me. Mm-hmm. If you want me, I'm here to help here to guide you along the way, but you know, you, you, you can do this for whatever you want to do at yeah, 200 bucks. 
uh, 200 bucks for two months and have that and be able to start ordering guns, you know, distributor pricing. That's uh, well, and that price, remember, is going to last you for the next three years too, before mm-hmm. you have to renew. Yeah. So you're making your money back. So imagine, you know, I, I use Glock as an example because it's popular. You know, over you sold one Glock a year, let's say, and you made $65 in each one. Right, you've mm-hmm. about, made, about made your money back just by selling one gun a year. Mm-hmm. So, especially if you get into NFA items, the markup on those is incredible. You can get silencers much cheaper than they go for. So, you sell a silencer to a buddy. I mean, heck, you sell one rifle silencer, you've made your money back for your FFL already. You know, and then you bought the silencer for yourself also at the second transaction. Now you've even saved even more because you're going to more than likely save more than 200 bucks on the silencer. And it's all business expense too. So you can write it off and, uh, you know, say, honey, you know, this is, it's all business. Yeah. And then you can sell it used, mm-hmm. shoot the snot out of it and find someone in your course that likes it. You know, this is why I think I try to talk instructors all the time in rental guns. Um, yes, it's a pain, but if you use a rental gun and you're dealing with new shooters and they fall in love with what you taught them and their new abilities, they have a kindred connection to that gun no matter how beat up and nasty and 10 different coats of krylon paint on it later that's cool that gun number seven was their gun that they did this really cool thing with uh i've seen plenty of instructors not plenty a few instructors make a good business out of this because not only do they charge that student for the rental every day and that gun has already been through 10 or 15 courses it's more than paid for itself and it's a money maker now in every future course but then the student loves it and they say well i'll sell it to you if you want you can leave it with it. And I see the student's eyes get real big. Oh, I could buy this one. Sure. Cause you have an FFL. You sell that gun. You take the money to buy a replacement gun and you have a constant flow of, of rental guns that are making money every course and you're selling them to people and they think it's really cool. Uh, to me, it makes sense, but maybe to some of you guys out there, it doesn't, I don't know. Well, that, that is uh very cool. That those are some advantages that I had not thought about before, and um, something that I'm going to seriously take a look at because I'm I'm on, going on six plus months now, and I'm, you know I was told nine months for that silencer, and mm-hmm. I could have gotten it, you know, yeah, th- three months ago easily without any. Yeah, and, and then silencer number two, you would have gotten it within three days. So that three months was only your initial getting set up deal. You, you'd had so many more right now. Mm-hmm. You know, another reason I like it is it's nice if you're traveling as an instructor. It, it's a pretty cool flex to say you have an FFL because even cops that don't understand what an FFL is, what the ATF's rules are, they back off right away. And they are, whoa, what do you do with this machine gun and these silencers? And that's not legal here. I'm an FFL. These are on the books. This is part of my business. You, know, you have still have to follow local rules. You can't be driving through Washington, D.C., hanging a machine gun with a silencer on it out the window, but you can travel the country a lot easier when it comes to, even if like, say you don't do the rental gun stuff, just traveling around. It's kind of, kind of a little bit of a trump card when you're dealing with people just to pull you have to go along and notify the ATF when you're uh, doing interstate travel with machine guns. Not as an when FFL have, as an individual you do. Yeah, I know. I, I knew that. Yeah. There are some definitely uh, advantages. Yeah. If you take a silencer across state lines, no big deal, but you take, uh, a rifle's barrel that was cut one inch shorter than 16 inches. You have to notify and get permission from the ATF. No, if you're an FFL and you're traveling for business, no, that's business. Like I said, think about shot show. Mm-hmm. Think about all the guns that are going back and forth from there. No, you pack them up and you go. When you are a true employee of the FFL, a true W2 employee, not a contractor, or you're the owner, 
and you are on a bona fide business purpose, you're testing the gun, you're demonstrating the gun, you're filming content for the gun, you're teaching with the gun, then you are considered an extension of your FFL. It's actually is considered in your inventory. So the ATF shows up for an inspection. And let's say I work for you and they say, hey, you're missing these five guns. You go, nope, Kleckner's got those five guns. He's off teaching a course right now. And they said, well, it says it's in your inventory. Yep. Kleckner counts as your location when he's conducting business for you. So yeah, you can move around with them. It's pretty nice. I don't, I, 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 I don't want to get you guys too excited about it. Again, I know I'm the worst salesman ever. Don't get so excited about the FFL. There's a lot of benefits. Just don't listen to this and think, huh, that sounds like a great idea. And just go in and do it. At least if you're not going to take my course, take some time to read about it and make sure you make those right decisions along the way. Cause I see people get jammed up when they think, well, I'll just be a sole proprietor. Cause then all the NFA items are in my name. Well, there's pros and cons to that. You know, the NFA items actually get registered to you as a taxpayer. And I talk about whether you should have an LLC or whether you shouldn't, or like what type you should get or what you just take the time to get things set up. Right. So you don't race, get into trouble and then call me and see if I'm available, which I probably won't be unfortunately, <laughs> but if I am available, um, you, you're going to pay more in that first 15 minutes than you ever would have for the course. Right. So just take your time guys. Just, if you're going to do it, think it through, make sure you're capable of doing it. And once you get it going, Oh, there's tons and tons of cool benefits. Yep. It's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out and see it's, uh, you, you've definitely piqued my interest there, Ryan. All right. Good. Hey, Ryan, we've been asking all our guests this year to recommend a book or instructor that you think other instructors should uh, check out to help them in some, some different area. Do you have a favorite book or instructor to recommend? Um, well, I have a book, but it's not a shooting instructor. It's a book because I think so many people that are good at instructing are bad at business and marketing. And so many people that are good at business and marketing are bad at instructing. So if you're good and you're a good instructor, you need help with business and marketing. I read a book that changed my world two years ago, and I've, I've purchased no less than 12 copies of this to hand out to people just randomly. When I talk to people, I think it's such a great book. It's called Story Brand by Don Miller, and he lays out the premise that you need to stop making yourself the hero, and I know some of you listening do that, and maybe you didn't realize you're doing it, so I'm not blaming you, but if your website or your business cards or your videos or whatever you're doing talks about how awesome you are, uh, the book makes a good argument that that's wrong, that instead your website and your marketing materials and your books and things should talk about how awesome your client can be. Um, he, he makes a really good analogy to movie, sto- movie plots. He, he uses Luke Skywalker as an example. He said, your customers, Luke Skywalker, they're lost. They don't know what they need yet. Next, they're going through something in their life. They have, they have this gap to where they're at for where they want to go. And you need to be their guide. You need to be Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi. And you need to show up and say, hey, I have some skills and I have this tool called a lightsaber and I have these skills called the force. And I'm going to show you how to use these and look how great you're going to be once you learn them. And when you read it through the book and Don Miller explains it way better than I did, every bit of marketing I've ever used completely changes. And I think some firearms trainers could could benefit from that, especially if you're teaching your women's classes or introductory classes or things like that. Um, So that's one there. Um, Yeah. and, And instructors, I have too many close instructor friends. And I don't follow a lot of others. I, I, I couldn't possibly be forced to pick a favorite. So I'll stick with the marketing book. Maybe that'll help you guys out. Yeah, that'll be good because uh, that's one of the things from an instructor standpoint where you know, I believe most, most of our listeners are probably you know, good instructors. 
And you know, the, one of the challenges that you know you have when you're a good instructor is okay, how do I take this and market mm-hmm. and make make people you know come to me or be aware that I'm offering classes this weekend on these topics and those topics, and you know keep keep that funnel going constantly because we've all had those concealed carry classes, twenty people, and then we do the follow-on uh, advanced class, and there's five people in it and try to want to kind of level that mm-hmm. a l- out a little bit more and have 20 come to the first class 18 to the next class and and kind of keep that going so that you know it's a little bit more of a steady flow yeah, yeah that's great well ryan where can instructors find more out about um rocket ffl and the gun university and ryan collector uh, i i try to make gun university my hub for everything I, I formed that with a partner of mine who is a book marketing genius. He's the marketing guy. I'm not. And he's the one that convinced me I needed to have a hub because I had too many social media channels and too many websites and too many things. So gun university is my hub on there. You can find out everything about FFLs or go straight to rocket FFL. If you want, that's fine. You can see about my training courses that I'm doing or what videos I'm up to or things like that. And I, I appreciate you guys reaching out and let me know how I can help you in any way. And, that includes if you need to get your name out there or you want to write an article, reach out to us at Gun University. We publish people's articles all the time. Um, if you want to get a chance to get you need help with books, you know, go go look up my partner at Gun University. He he is the de facto book marketing expert. You know, Rob and I were talking before we started this that one of the challenges I saw, and I, I alluded to it here a couple of times, it was being able to scale myself. You can only teach so many days at the range. You know, once you start figuring out now how to do online courses or how to write a book or do something like that, you got to figure out how to market that too. But the beauty is once that book or those courses are in the background, you could be teaching at the range while your book is being sold on Amazon and you can learn all that kind of stuff by, by following us along. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. That's all the, uh, you know, residual income, passive income, you know, the, we've had, uh, different people talking about in the past and it's, mm-hmm. uh, one, not, another one of those, uh, tools that we, that as, uh, business owners, we need to know, not only know how to put on a good class, but how to market, how to go along and, you know, set things up so we don't have to work every hour of the day in order to, um, you know, make a living. Exactly right. Yeah. If you, you're used to sh- teaching your basic class and you're allowed to, this won't work with a CCW course where it requires in-person training or something like that. But if you, if you've got your stick down, you've got your lesson down, you should be asking yourself, why haven't you recorded it yet? You know, why aren't you selling it online? Maybe it's not the right format for online. That's fine. But I, I, there's always a way to be doing work. Like I did today, the little bit of work I did today on rocket FFL was not for hire for an hour's worth of work. I was building into rocket FFL. So the labor I put in today is going to pay me off for the next year. And I still fail at it, but I've, I've switched my entire life to that. Now I, I try and look at it that way. Yep. I, I hope you guys can too. And for the next year, that's going to be paying you back. And the year after that, it'll be paying you back for the time that you invested today. Correct. Great business model. Really great. Well, thanks, Ryan, for your time today. Thanks for having me on, Rob. That's a wrap for this episode. We want to announce this week's podcast prize winner. This week's winner is Walter H. And he won a $50 gift card to SSP Eyewear. Next week's giveaway is a Palm Pepper Spray. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. And remember, you can't win without entering, and your entries do not carry over from week to week. We ask you to share our podcast on your social media and keep other trainers informed about the great content that we have. Remember, check out our website where you can search for various topics from marketing to instructor training at firearmstrainerpodcast.com, or you can leave us a comment 
on each episode there too. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off a checkout. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Thanks for listening, everyone, and stay safe. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.